Well, in the way of a really quick review before we get in, in case you weren't here last week, we um, A, started an email list. If you're not on that email list and you'd like to be, be sure to give me your email before you leave today and we'll include you. But that recap included a small video that we played last week. Um, there's a documentary out there called Everything and Nothing that was, a, was at least part of the inspiration for this class. And this um, quantum physicist talks about the vast nature of our universe. And it's really awe-inspiring when you watch um, this gentleman talk about all of the things that science has been able to do and understand because of our understanding of the universe and, and, and its vast nature. And so um, we relate that to mission and ministry because just as I mentioned in the prayer, there are so many needs. There are so many things happening around the world that, um, that are heartbreaking, that are, that are in need of um, the attention of Jesus' people. And that's, that's, I think, what's on your heart, and that's why you've chosen this class. But it's overwhelming. There's just so many things that you could devote your life to um, in the way of mission and ministry, and, and all of you have in some way, probably. So, um, that's everything, right? There's this, this sea of opportunity in terms of mission and ministry. At the same time, we're finite. We're, we have a 70 years if we're, if we're lucky, and we get to live that out in, in pursuit of God's kingdom in this world, and we get to contribute, and we get to do something, but we're so small. And it seems like no matter how hard or, or aggressively we might devote ourselves to mission and ministry, it's still just a drop in the, in the proverbial ocean. And so... Uh, we're somewhere in the middle where we're hoping that the Lord will use us in, in a significant way in the short time that we have on this planet and uh, somehow involve ourselves in mission and ministry in a significant and effective way. And so I think the guys that we have here this morning uh, exemplify that. They've figured out a way to leverage their vocation, their talents, and their interests, and their passions to be a part of God's work and to be a part of... Um, God's kingdom in that way and serving others. And so we're excited for them to be here. We covered three really um, basic goals for our class. Of course, Becky Frazier, our third teacher, is missing today. She's um, out of town, so we'll miss her today. But we covered last week really three basic goals for the class, among others, but these are some of the ones we want to focus on. Steve talked about cultivating social imagination. And uh, I know that he'll share a lot about just the um, unique ways that we're all connected, the, the ways that we inspire each other, the way that we're, um, you know, as societies and as cultures connected together uh, to bring about change, to bring about meaningful things. I talked a little bit about inspiring others with transformation because I do believe that once we're involved with um, extending God's grace and mercy, that it is a very inspiring thing that that we see transformation occur in individuals and in cultures and societies and groups of people um, and I think that transformation that we see is sort of fuel for um, sustaining us we, we love to see people gain clean water for instance and so it, it can be very sustaining and very transforming when we see God's hand in in our finite efforts in our activities so I think we'll talk a little bit about that. And then lastly, Becky talked about um, God's relentless inclusion, right? The kind of work and ministry that we're talking about excludes no one. And I'm, I'm really excited to hear, particularly from these guys, about um, 
how their work has brought together people who may not necessarily agree politically or economically or socially, but somehow water, for instance, has really um, brought them together and, and included people that would not have otherwise been at a certain table. So anyway, um, we, we want to, um, oops, there, there was the video, this is the, the quantum physicist that I mentioned, uh, Jim Al-Khalili, brilliant guy, Becky talked about Matthew 25, the great compassion, and sort of uh, Jesus's tips on who to care about, and, um, and then also the great commission, obviously we're sent, we're a sent people. Uh, the, the Lord sent Jesus into this world. Jesus leaves the Spirit and sends the Spirit into his church. The Spirit on the day of Pentecost sends his church out into the world. And we're part of that sending. And so um, we have this commission to, to be sent into this world and to, to minister uh, into this world in mission. So, Steve, I'll let you introduce uh, what we're doing today, and we'll go from there. Uh, well, I moved back from Guatemala in 2001. And uh, I guess my connection was the Otter Creek really didn't know what to do with me at that time. So I was made uh, the minister for the young professionals for a period of time. And uh, it was a joyous time. We had a great time because we had some people that are just incredible who are now actually some of the movers and shakers in this church as far as uh, ministries. But one of the things that I had the privilege of of doing is getting to know Shannon Dickerson, who was uh, had a passion for missions uh, and did several different things, but he is actually the inspiration for the beginnings of living water. Uh, unfortunately, he had cancer and died, but in his death, it was the birth of living water and a vision. Uh, again, that whole idea of group vision or, or vision together creating something from nothing uh, I think is just a fascinating theme and how just one person actually uh, was the spark uh, he wouldn't even recognize everything that's being done because it's grown way beyond uh, even our imaginations as we were uh, watching this happen I think uh, and it's continued to grow into a pretty amazing organization. So maybe what I'll ask is just if you guys can kind of give a, a synopsis of for somebody out there who maybe doesn't know about Living Water and what it does and maybe where you're, you're at right now, and then we'll get into some more of the personal questions. Sure. Um, Kevin, you want me to go? Yeah. yeah. Um, well, the Living Water Project is an all-volunteer run nonprofit uh, ministry here at Otter Creek and as, as uh, Steve mentioned um, we were founded by Shannon Dickerson in 2002 um, I was a part of that young professionals group and uh, a friend of Shannon's and um, I can tell you that it never would have crossed my mind I, I'm sure that someone had told me that there were at that time over a billion people that didn't have clean water um, I'm sure someone or perhaps someone had made me aware of that fact at some point um, but I didn't have, I guess, the, the perspective and worldview to translate that really at the time. And so um, Shannon kind of impressed upon us that that was not acceptable in, in, in the year 2001 and um, that there are a lot of things that in the world that we can't do anything about, but this kind of seemed like something that you could do something about. And so 
um, that was the birth of a ministry and our group raised uh, money for a couple of wells in 2001 and um, two wells were drilled in early 2002 the first one at made in the streets in Kenya um, a ministry that Otter Creek is the flagship supporting church for and um, many many at this church and perhaps some of you have, have visited there um, and then a well in India with another ministry partner through a missionary that we knew so um, Shannon passed away in May 2002 and kind of not, 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 not much of anything really happened, and then some of us, uh, I just kind of happened to be the guy that said one day, hey, can some of us go to lunch and talk about this? This kind of seems like a good thing, and I had no experience, uh, knew nothing about water, had no desire for missions whatsoever, to be candid, um, and uh, somehow uh, God took our, our, our efforts and formed it into something beautiful, I think, and um, we formed a board, and were very small for a period of time and then all of a sudden I think as the message was continued as we continue to communicate the message and get other people involved things have have started to really grow the last uh, four or five years five or six I guess since about 2010 um, and so to, to this date um, the ministry has funded uh, about 340 wells in uh, 21 different countries so um, we're right now focused on heavily on about seven or eight of those countries um, as we've kind of continued to hone in on specific regions and ministries and, and, and certain areas. Um, we, uh, um, we're all dependent on volunteers. Um, uh, all, the, all the donations that we receive go to clean water. So um, it's, not that, um, it's not that we've determined that it has to be that way, but I know a lot of people have expressed to us that they, that they like that, and it's a true grassroots um, a true, true grassroots ministry of just kind of a bunch, a bunch of friends kind of doing something. So um, that's kind of where we where we are as today as of today. Um, the the areas that we are most focused in now are um, central North Central Africa, uh, Northwest Africa, um, Central America. Um, we may be getting back into India before too long. I'm not sure, but um, uh, Kevin, fill in. Fill in the blanks. No, I, it, just to set the, uh, the, the table for the, the problem, it, it, a lot of people don't, don't realize that, that, it's, that it's a problem, that about 6,000 people a day die because they drink uh, clean, clean water. Uh, it's by far and away the most preventable uh, cause of death on this planet. About half the beds of, of in hospitals right now, half the beds are filled with people who have a waterborne illness. So if we knock out the water uh, issues, then, then we've knocked out half, half the illnesses on this planet. And, and the thing that, that uh, as, as a water professional, as, a, as an engineer, the, the thing that motivates me is that this is a problem that, that we can solve. Uh, there's no magic gizmo out there that hasn't yet been invented. Um, there's just uh, uh, all we lack is a little bit of caring and a little bit of uh, organization and where, where we do work, it, it solves a problem. We've done it here. Uh, we've done it in, in, in lots of countries uh, around the world. Uh, but this morning, um, uh, almost a quarter of a million people took a drink out of a well that was funded by Living Water. And that's, you know, that's a big number and, and one that uh, we wouldn't have really expected to, to be the case. Uh, but it's, 
we've got a we've got a good story, and there's a, a really good intersection of need and opportunity with, with this ministry, and, and it's it's exciting to to be a part of it uh, to, with what with what's going on. What do you think are a few of the things that God has used to make you care? You know, I know it's a, I, you kind of identify as challenging as an engineer. It's exciting to see things happen practically on the ground, but go back a few years and just figure out with us how, how God has used different influences to make you care about it. Um, well, obviously the underpinning of all of it is, is scripture. Mm-hmm. And um, so with me, there was certainly a background of passages like Matthew 25. Um, but in the midst of that, I think as I've kind of you know, kind of grew out of my 20s and into my 30s and, you know, you, you start to look back and you realize, you know, you start to realize comparisons about yourself and the world around you. Um, and you realize that not everybody grew up the way you did. And, um, and and part of that for me was realizing not only how wonderful my family was, but um, the material comfort that I've had. And one thing about scripture that's, that's uh, clear is that if if you have much, then much is expected, and it's not okay to kind of sit on the sidelines. And so um, one of the things that Shannon really encouraged us was to not be status quo. Um, and certainly there are parts of my life where I'm still status quo, but they hopefully will <laughs> will be works in progress. But um, I think there was something in that group back then where we all kind of said to ourselves, wherever life takes us moving forward, let's, let's do everything we can to not be status quo. Um, and so... Um, I guess it's kind of overwhelming when you do kind of sit back and realize, like, I know I just don't have a concept of what it's like to go through a day without water. But when I put myself in those shoes, it's kind of a desperate feeling. Um, I know just a small example. uh, Kevin and I were in Nicaragua uh, a year ago, August, a little over a year ago, and um, with Troy Link. And we got back to Managua, which is the capital. And checked into a, a small little motel for the night and we're flying out to the airport in the morning. Got into the, got into the motel, it was really hot. And, uh, and uh, it was about maybe six or seven at night and I realized that there was no, there was no clean water. There, the, the tap water was dirty and uh, we had no bottled water. Went down to the desk and the guy was kind of like, <laughs> like what what is this of which you speak and so all of a sudden I'm going man I've got till tomorrow morning and I don't have any water like I'm hot I'm and I had a prescription to take I needed to brush my teeth and those are not big things but like this kind of like this panic set in for just a moment of like holy cow like I don't have any water but I mean it was only like it was less than 12 hours but so like just little experiences like that which it's one of the only times I've ever had any experience like that, but it gives you a little bit of a window into perhaps what it's like to walk in some people's shoes. And so um, uh, I think uh, it's hard for us, having lived and only knowing our life intimately and only walked in our own shoes, it's very hard for us sometimes to put ourselves into the shoes of others, whether it's understanding other people's views or simply the lives that, lives that they lead. Um, but maybe tried in some way to do that a little bit. Yeah. You all are welcome to ask questions as well. Um, let me ask one more, and then uh, Steve or anybody else that has a question. It takes a lot of momentum to get a train started, right? 
and and you know with Shannon's inspiration and, and a lot of the early work that you all are referring to, it got started. Um, but I'm sure along the way there's been all sorts of fears and anxieties and things you have to overcome personally to dedicate so much energy to something outside yourself. So talk a little bit about some of the challenges that you faced, um, either one of you, just in terms of keeping this thing going. You're, you've got to have doubts and worry. And Are you doing it right? Are you hurting people? Are you helping people? Is it all making a difference? Talk a little bit about that. And I, I might want to add something to that. One of my things that I'm always fascinated by is how has this involvement, your investment in this, transformed you? Mm-hmm. And how's it transformed your family? Kevin, I want you to go first. Yeah, I, I'm not sure I've got a real good answer. Uh, I mean, I would love to uh, to give you examples of you know uh, staying up late at night, wondering if we're doing the right thing, and pacing the floor, and uh, you know, light, lightning's crashing outside, and 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 there's dramatic music playing, and I'm, and and. and and I'm deciding, is clean water a good thing or not? Because <laughs> um, I, I can't. Uh, I, I, I perhaps should have more. I have zero, I have had zero doubts about this um, to the extent that I don't feel like I have much of a choice in the matter. You know, it's, uh, so uh, I, I, don't, I don't know that I could do anything different. The, I think the only the only tension that I feel is uh, does it need to be more of a full-time thing? Um, and right now I'm at n- no, probably not, because that's just not who we are. But uh, but I, I, I can't really cite anything that feels like sacrifice or anything that feels like doubt or anything that feels like overcoming fear or anything like that because it, it just uh, I, I, I don't I don't think I've had a, had a choice in the matter mm-hmm. I think that's a pretty consistent message with anybody that feels called to do something because from outsiders surely there's something right surely there's got to be anxieties fears you overcame you all got this huge train started 340 wells now so there's been a lot of sacrifice, and there's been a lot of difficulty. So I, I find that fascinating and consistent with lots of people who are called into mission or ministry of any sort that from their vantage point, it's like, well, it wasn't no big deal. It's like, it's just what you do. Um, so I want to highlight that because I think that's, that's a testament to the fact that God is involved in calling you all as individuals. So maybe a little bit more about Steve's um, Steve's question is that there there is a calling involved. There is some a spiritual element to this. There is a transformation that's occurred. Talk a little bit about that. Uh, well, I, and I'd like yeah. to just mention one thing. Uh, one of the fascinating things to me is is your passion and the calling that you had affected your family. I mean, you guys actually picked up and moved, mm-hmm. left a job, went to Guatemala. That wasn't much of a sacrifice. It wasn't. <laughs> I know. It was a government job. From from a perspective, that's not a lot of sacrifice, and I'd even be interested in Ginger's input in well, this. I was I was actually just getting ready to raise my hand because I remember what Steve Sherman said to me in Guatemala um, towards the end of our stay, and 
So there's no doubt that what we were doing there was fruitful, but it's messy yeah. because you're with human beings. Like we were working together with human beings. We ourselves are, we're, we're flawed vessels, right? And, and so it was at a point of frustration and, um, for me especially, I don't know, Kevin gets less frustrated than I do, but there was just, the people were, we were working with were being difficult. <laughs> um, and I remember Steve saying, missions is messy. It's kind of like a big pile of poop. <laughs> I don't know if you remember saying I remember that. that. Yeah. You probably but use that line more than once. when you spread it out and all around, it actually fertilizes and beautiful things grow from it. <laughs> Thanks a lot. And I remember you saying that because it was exactly what I needed at that time. Um, because it does get messy sometimes, and I don't know if that's what you were referring to when you asked if you have doubts, if you're doing it the right way, or whatever. There's no doubt that what we were doing yeah. was fruitful and good, but it's still messy. Yeah. I like so. to say that pumps, pumps and pipes are easy. <laughs> People in politics are hard. They're but, hard, yeah. yeah. So. But that's the same here in Nashville. Exactly. Too. Yeah. yeah, it's the exact same. I, I would say that um, I mean, anxieties, candidly, are something I've struggled with in my life in general. Um, things are better now, but at one time I was pretty ravaged by anxieties and for a period of time clinical depression. And so I know you're not necessarily talking about big picture, but I'll say that that was my backdrop. Um, and so early on, um, as we tried to kind of see where the ship would go, um, I had a lot of anxiety or some anxiety, even though I felt like we were being called and led. Um, I had no background in water whatsoever. I had never been to a poverty-stricken country until 2004 when Steve encouraged me to go to Kenya. Um, and so the first few years for me, there were, a lot of, there were a lot of questions and do I, and occasionally I'll leave a board meeting today and go, do I really have a clue what I'm doing? Um, but um, nonetheless, God takes uh, what's put, put forward on the altar, I guess, and makes something beautiful out of it. Um, for me, it was, uh, a great uh, alleviation of those anxieties when Kevin joined us. Uh, Steve kind of connected us uh, at a meeting over Guatemala and uh, I discovered that I had no idea Kevin was a water engineer and so he was on our board within I think 24 hours of that initial <laughs> meeting. <laughs> and so... Uh, lots, lots of big betting process for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Things, things were a lot more things were a lot more casual you know back then. That was We were doing about maybe two wells a year back then and it's certainly no coincidence that the numbers have gone like that since then. Uh, and so um, you know one thing though that has uh, you know, my life is very easy, so no one should uh, get the impression that I'm, uh, I mean, certainly I've tried to overcome some, I mean, I never, I was very anxious about the travel early on. Um, I know my family was, um, but uh, no one should mistake, uh, <laughs> no one should mistake my life for, for being, um, you know, some, uh, martyrdom of, of difficulty um, through this. It's been an incredible blessing. I mean, certainly there's a big time commitment. Certainly there's um, there are some you know anxieties that do creep up, but I think something that's alleviated any of those with me is just knowing that 
we're a small part of something that transcends us so much. We're a small part of a kingdom that has transcended all other kingdoms and has outlasted all other kingdoms. And to me, to be able to play a small role, uh, it just gives me a lot of comfort to know that we're a part of something much bigger. Yeah. And, and you know, I know the, the, the out front details as well, there's clean water and all this, but behind that, the backdrop is that there's a kingdom of God that I've come to understand in ways that I never thought that I would. To the people that we get to meet, you talk about the spiritual application and all, the people that we've been able to meet around the world have just blown me away. And to experience the worldwide church and to experience that commonality has been beyond really words and it's been incredible. And so for me, the spiritual, uh, I mean, beyond just you see a need and you meet it, but there's really this partnership of the global church that we're a part of that it's not like, hey, let's go help them over there. It's kind of like, hey, let's work together. Mm-hmm. And um, maybe there's parts of the world that are just 150 years behind the part that we live in, but let's all see that and let's all help bring each other up. Yeah. One of the, uh, one of the things that I like, that at least we get to that point um, before we'd have to close this class out, um, talk about that. I mean, you know, one of the big problems with usually something like doing water projects and stuff is having that nexus between uh, building, uh, making disciples, building churches, doing development projects. Uh, and that's one of the things that's probably the most exciting to me is we've actually been able to link this with uh, Final Command that is a disciple making movement. And I'd like for you guys just kind of talk about your observations and how maybe that's actually, and I know from their point of view, this has been a really fruitful uh, cooperation together. Kevin, yes. Um, Logistically, I think a lot of of well-intended organizations, some of them quite large, like the US government, try to, maybe because of their makeup, they have to do things secularly. And I, I, I understand that in a village of 400 people in northern Togo, you can't do anything secularly because that's just not what they do. They, uh, they, they, they are a very, most of the small villages where people have these health uh, and sanitation issues um, are, are deeply, deeply spiritual. And, and, and sometimes their spirituality is very, very different than ours. Very different than ours. Um, but uh, but to, to be able to speak into the spiritual aspects of water and hygiene, and it's a good thing for your daughters to, to be able to go to school rather than to be able to have to spend all day hauling water. Or it's a good thing for you to be, uh, to, to not have intestinal worms so you actually have the energy to go work uh, that those are uh, those are important discussions uh, to, to convey and, and it's hard to I would even say impossible to do that without bringing in a spiritual component of, uh, of, of God our creator or uh, our father uh, wants us to make things better than how we found them and it's hard to do that if uh, if you're sick all the time it's hard to do that if you're if, if you're not 
educating yourself about the, about the world. Um, and I have uh, some, some amount of faith that uh, somewhere in a village in Chad or Cameroon, uh, there's a kid who's gonna have clean water for his childhood years or her childhood years. And that kid's gonna grow up to be the next Nelson Mandela. Or that kid's gonna grow up to be the next Malala or the next um, uh, Desmond Tutu or the next fill in the blank uh, simply because they, they had a shot because they lived for the world, because they had the opportunity to go to school uh, rather than uh, just subsist. Um, and and that, that is a spiritual calling, I, I believe. And it works well in, in these small uh, rural villages. They're, they're, they're spiritual. And something that I've, I've come to, to look at a little bit differently, for, for a while, uh, I was more in the camp of, hey, we're here to do good work, not to plant churches. And, and I, I can follow that line of thought. As a matter of fact, it's very distasteful to me for somebody to go, we're going to help you, provided that you subscribe to this list of dozen things that we can check mark. And, and, or after we plant a church and have a, have a preaching school here, then we'll come in and we'll, we'll try to make your lives better. Um, and and that, that's, I'm not sure, the way that we were called to, to do things either. But our, our tradition that Otter Creek is a part of prides itself on uh, being first century Christians. And, and I can follow that. Uh, the, the premise of being a first century Christian is the people who were experiencing Christianity when it was new may have better insights as to, how, as to how Christianity should be than, uh, than after having it alloyed and polluted and, and modified over the past couple of millennia. So let's try to be first century Christians. Let's study how the church was when it was new. And many of the places that we work right now is a living laboratory of a new Christianity. It's, it's what Christianity looks like when it's new. And I, I, I can't say that it resembles a whole lot of what we do here, but it, you, can, you can see some similarities. But it is fascinating to work and to worship and to sweat with, believe me, sweat with, the Sahara Desert, uh, uh, with, with people uh, who are experiencing first century Christianity because it's the first time Christianity has been there ever um, and, and wonder what, what that looks like. All that to say is we have a lot, we have a lot to learn from different places in this world. We have a lot to learn from indigenous subsistence farmers in Guatemala. We have a lot to learn from nomadic uh, goat herders in Cameroon. And we have a lot to learn from people who uh, are under threat every day uh, from various, various terrorist organizations uh, because they uh, profess one way and don't profess another. Um, we, 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 we have a lot to learn. Um, I would say more to, more to import than we do to export on that front. What was your question? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say what he said. <laughs> uh, let's go back to um, vocation. Of course, Steve and I have locate, we, we've chosen to locate ourselves in mission and ministry, like vocationally. But 
vocationally, you guys aren't located in that necessarily. And so I love hearing you talk about your careers and I get the sense, and I could be, I could be wrong, it's not right or wrong, it's just I, I get the sense that your specific vocation is a means to an end. Um, that you see yourselves engaged first in the mission of God and you support yourselves financially as kind of a part B. So talk about that mentality, um, maybe a little bit how you arrived there because it's harder for me to, for me and Steve to talk about it because we're, we're employed and we're, we've centered ourselves vocationally around mission and ministry, but I'd love to hear your perspective in terms of how you see your job, how you see your job compared to this mission that you're involved in that you've dedicated so much time and energy to? Uh, well, uh, bef even before I think I got into this, I never, and this is not to disparage anyone who wants to climb the ladder, so to speak, but um, it never really appealed to me to climb the ladder of, there's my destination, and if I could only get there, then I'll feel like my career has been good. Um, and part of that is that I think I heard a lot of wise people say there can be a real trap in feeling like, you know, there's a destination with my job, and if I arrive there, then I'm successful. And so um, I, I really enjoy my job, and uh, it's in the business world. Um, I enjoy it. I love the people I work with. Um, I find fulfillment in the daily task of it. But it has indeed felt to me um, for these last 15 years or so like a means to allow me to do things that I find more fulfilling um, you know and a lot of it is ministry work and so uh, I'm grateful to have uh, I'm grateful to have a job where I'm able to enable other things that 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 I do find more meaningful um, as sort of a it's kind of like my second second day begins when I get home from work mm -hmm. and I kind of feel like that's when the, the most purposeful part of my day my, my day my day usually looks like I go to work from 8, 9 to 5 I come home, I take a nap for about an hour and then I start <laughs> and it's not that I work on water stuff all night but that's, that's part of it and it's kind of like there's almost these two distinct parts of my life and I feel I do feel like one um, makes the other possible and I'm incredibly grateful to have that arrangement and certainly it helps that I'm single at this point in life and don't have to you know if if, if I had you know three or four mouths to, to feed then it might look a lot different but for now certainly it's a it's an arrangement that works yeah um, it, for, for me I, there, there's a significant overlap uh, a very, yeah. very gray area because I see a mission in what I do with work too. I mean, clean water, health is health. It's benefiting the public is benefiting the public. And uh, we've done, this country is not flawless by any stretch of the imagination. And I can have that discussion with anybody. Um, but we've done a lot of things right too. I mean, we just, we just have. And uh, we go about it in a goofy way and we put up a front like, like we want to argue and bellyache about it, but we genuinely feel like there's a benefit to people being healthy. Um, and I, 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 there's, there's hot button discussions that people can have, but we all don't, none of us have a problem paying a bill for water, right? 
because we realize there's a public good. Even though we know that the X dollars that we spend uh, probably benefits other people. Um, but we just feel like that that's a good thing to do. Anyway, we, to be a part of that is, is fulfilling. But at the same time, I, 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 don't, I don't really see what I do as a, as a means to an end. Uh, I see it as, a, as a, a, a form of calling that I get paid for. Um, and, and, and I'm reasonably comfortable with that. Uh, but I, I, I work a lot with college students at Vanderbilt and at Lipscomb as well. And I get a lot of, uh, I guess I'm old enough I can call them kids now. I get a lot of college kids uh, saying, I just want to do something that's, that's meaningful and makes a difference. Um, and you can make a difference in, in your cubicle, you know? You, you can make a difference in your classroom. You can make a difference uh, in your neighborhood. You can, you, it, whatever your vocation is, you can make a difference. And, and I think it's a perfectly valid response to tell somebody, hey, if you don't find meaning in what you do, go find meaning in what you do. Go find meaning in what you do. Because there, there is meaning almost in every profession, almost every, every way. There is a, there is a logical plug-in uh, of I, I'm, I'm helping out my brothers and my sisters and all of God's children in my way doing the things that I'm doing. And if you search and you search and you search and you can't find any way possible that you're helping people, then maybe go, go find something else to do. Um, but you don't have to move to North Africa to be in the mission field. Yeah. And, and I think that's, a, I think that's a, a, a very positive message to give. I guess one of the things that uh, has kind of impressed me about you and the work that you do and things is I know, for instance, there's water projects, especially in Guatemala, that would have never been done outside of an uh, engineering company or somebody saying, what do you do? And then you share that with them, and these are not necessarily people that actually would step inside Otter Creek's building, but they get called into that greater service for others, and they're engineering firms anyway, so they end up doing that. So I see that nexus and kind of that subtle way of um, sharing kingdom. <laughs> and I think it's just a fascinating thing to actually think about people who are not necessarily in God's kingdom, but they're contributing to it and there's something that is pulling them towards that greater vision for what life is. And so, yeah, I can see that idea of, of the fact that what you do in water is ministry. Um, so I think that's a fascinating side of this. Questions from you Can you kind of walk through a timeline of, I mean, have you got a vision for, okay, the next well goes here and I'm going or I'm going or how long we're going to be there? Do I take the wife and kids? It looks that way, yeah. <laughs> um, and I'll tell you if Kevin ends up going, because I'm usually the one. Oh, you're, you're going. We'll let you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Kevin, do you want to do you want to cover that? It, it, it's different in different places. One of the one of the true blessings that we have is that we have we have ministry partners in different countries around the 
it is hard to just go and say, I want to I want to go do a well in Cameroon. Let's go do a well in Cameroon. And and that's uh, I don't want to say irresponsible, but it's hard to logistically pull that off. And it lessens the chances of it being successful, uh, both from a is the well going to be taken care of long term, and are we doing anything with a greater good? So we we, we have uh, uh, ministry partners in, in in different countries, and we've gotten to the point where we kind of have a machine going in different places where we say, hey, see these villages that you're going and you're studying and you're meeting people and you're finding persons of peace and you, and they have it, they have a need, certainly they have a need. Uh, let's let's talk with them about uh, putting putting in a putting in a well in that village. Let's talk to the chief of the village and make sure the chief understands that we're not putting it at his house so that he can sell it to everybody. We're gonna put it for the public. We're not gonna put it at that church or at that mosque, we're going to put it in the geographic center of the village so that everybody has equal access to it. Um, and so we, we've gotten to where we'll, we'll just get a list of those and they'll get a driller. Uh, there's economies of scale. It's cheaper to drill 15 wells than it is to drill one on a per well basis. So we'll get a list and, and during drilling season, uh, which in Africa is not right now in North Africa, uh, uh, they, they will go and, and drill some wells. It's a long answer to a, to a, to a short question. Uh, if I said six months, it, that's probably about right. There are some uh, that will take uh, a year to germinate and to fund and to, uh, to make sure that, that, they're, uh, that they're going. Um, but it does require a little bit of patience and education because some people will say, here's a check for $2,000. Call me next week when the well is drilled. <laughs> it's not exactly how, how that works. Um, there are organizations out there where you, you can do that. You could you you and, and they're good they're good organizations where you can go and sponsor a well, write them a seven thousand dollar check, and the well costs five thousand, but they got two thousand of overhead and marketing and uh, stuff like that. That's just not our our model to do it. Yeah, we're heavily dependent upon existing ministries on the ground and with our all but with the all volunteer run model um, we obviously can't be everywhere um, and so we also think that that works well because it's locals working with locals on the front lines and um, as for when we go um, a lot of times when we begin work in an area we will go uh, usually both of us will go over and meet the people, walk through villages, visit, ask a lot of questions, do a lot of listening, do some surveying, and then we'll come back and make rec recommendations to our board and then work with yep. getting, beginning that. So we, we were in Chad earlier this year and saw four wells that had just been drilled, looked at them, got to drink the water out of some of them. Uh, and seeing that and knowing the people there, there's no reason for us to go look at the next 20 that we have find it there. We, just, we know the people doing it and we know the workmanship and uh, send us some pictures and maybe a video and, and that, that would be fantastic. And that, that's, that's, really, that's really nice to be able to do that. That's 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 spreading the gospel because if, you, if it's all up to you all the time, you have to be at every single one, you're not really yeah. helping people go out and multiply. That, that's, that's a very good way of putting it. Yeah, we, we really do work through the, the church. I mean, and not necessarily from a specific organizational standpoint, but the broader picture, we work through the kingdom. And the kingdom 
gets the work done on the ground. And we don't want these guys to be public works directors. We want them to be gospel spreaders. And if we give them another tool in their toolbox to do that, then great. Well, thank you guys, man. We really appreciate it. Um, talk a little bit about your website, contact information, how someone could help if they were interested. So uh, it's livingwaterwells.org. Um, and um, that's, I mean, of course, Kevin and I are always around. Um, I actually do have a business card on me. I have business cards. <laughs> the joke is that I never remember to have my business card, my living water cards with me. And, um, but, uh, yeah, we're, we're always around. And um, um, we, you know, as far as volunteers, it depends on kind of the person's skills. And, I mean, anything from working on the website to helping with our uh, coordinating our master records to, um, what am I forgetting? Benefit dinner. Helping to the dinner. Benefit. We have a big dinner in August that we've done the last two years. Um, we, we can usually plug people in. Yeah. And there's actually links on the Mission Center here, yeah. too. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Information on ocmission.org as well. The Mission Center upstairs, the actual place in the lobby. So we want to support them in every way that we can. It's great to see, as Steve mentioned, the overlapping projects with discipleship making and MITS um, and the way that you all have helped other organizations. So we want to continue to cultivate that overlap. So thank you all for being here. We appreciate you this morning. Come back next week. <laughs>